This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 68 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss animal communicators. The breed of the show is the hummingbird. Critter Nutrition focuses on Biostar's new product, Trinity, for dogs. And in Coffee Clatch, we share what bird species our horses most resemble. Listen in. Yes. Did you have a good vacation? Oh, my God. I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I, you know what? I must have had a past life in Alaska. It, you think? I get there, and I feel like I'm home. Oh, that's pretty amazing. It feels more home than Virginia does. So what you're saying is that we're going to be doing episodes... Um, <laughs> we're going to be doing this. You're going to be in Alaska. No, no. I, you know, I, I the weather is, you know, the winter would do me in and, um, yep. it's too far to travel with dogs. So, you know, really it's, it's, it's a good place to go for two weeks and a year and get my Alaska vibe. Oh, that's great. Oh, I got so a new you name. It's your recharging time. station. What? It is exactly. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I the guides cool. gave me a new name. Okay, the Otter Whisperer. <laughs> oh, there's a story behind that. I I seem to have a, an affinity for otters in that they are not afraid of me and they're not skittish around me and they kind of show off in front of me. Oh, cool. and. The guides say they never get as close to otters as when I'm in the in the kayak or the boat with them. Wow. And it's true. They just, I mean, I could reach out and touch them. And they, oh, you know, wow. sh- they show me their babies. And really? Yes. <laughs> and all this time, you know, this gigantic lens. And you hear the, and you think that that would, you know, scare them off. Scare they them. pose. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see these pictures. I can't wait. Oh, it's it's such an awesome place. And I, I got such an understanding of the the fish connection. Mm. Not just, you know, fish for humans to eat and fish for the eagles to eat and fish for whales to eat. But when the animals like bears and um, birds, seabirds, you know, get their fish and then bring it onto land, pieces drop right onto the soil. And that mm. becomes like a fish emulsion for the soil. And over mm. years and years and years and years, it builds up a really rich soil. And that is so profound to me. You know, the, that everything grows big in these um, coastal ocean, southern southern Alaska ocean places. 
it's because of the fish. And oh, light, you know, you have light 20 hours a day. So, you know, cabbages, I mean, all these vegetables are just gigantic. Oh, yeah. Well, they've got to grow quick. And the, oh, I went up and actually saw um, Alaska pasture hay. And it's really beautiful. That same thing yeah. happened to us when we went. We went when we visited oh, wow. uh, Lisa, a friend of ours, Lisa. She had she was talking about having different kinds of hay for the fat horses and the skinny horses, and she said, "Oh, these are the round bales over here. It's just local pasture hay." And I'm going, "Dang, we'd kill for that in Florida." It's beautiful. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous hay. Oh wow! It's not fair. Well, I mean, don't you think? Yeah, but don't you think it's because it's got a um, you know, it's got a um. It's got, it's got a short period of time that it's got to grow, right? Well, I think that's part of it. It has a short time to grow, but it's got way long hours to grow. Oh, I see. I you see, know, I 20 see. hours okay, yeah. a day of light. Oh, wow. That's pretty neat. Yeah, well, she's I'd definitely like going to be taking four vacations a year. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Well, uh, a, a good a good two weeks a year in Alaska um, just suits me fine, and um, I can't wait That's to go back next year. Next year, I'm going to do Kodiak Island and film those big bears. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. But well, cool. we're, we're going to can't wait to see the pictures. We're going to do. Um, we it seems we have sort of a bird day today. Oh. And I have to tell you, probably my most excited thing that I'm going to be talking about, I'm just saying, to date, and and all of our episodes, very excited. And I had some incredible bird experiences in Alaska with huge flocks of seabirds just flying up and me being in the midst of them. And they were just flying all around the kayak. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, swarming in such a cool way. Oh, it was awesome. Anyway, but it, cool. let's get going. Let's get started. Today, our roundtable discussion is animal communicators. Have you ever used one? What do you think of them? What's been your experience? Um, I, I personally have an animal communicator that I, I work pretty closely with um, on difficult um, client horses or dogs. Um, I, I, I use her also if I'm stumped by one of my own animals and, um, you know, she can really hit the nail on the head. Mm -mm. So I, I'm not a skeptic. Um, I'm sure there are some that are, you know, not as, uh, good at it as others, but what are your guys' experiences? Jennifer, you want to go first? Would you have any experience with it? Um, mine will be short. No. <laughs> I've never used one. Um, I am a skeptic, but they, you know, you talk to people like you, Tigger, who have very positive and very constructive relationships with animal communicators. Because So there's something going on somehow. <laughs> but, you know, I don't. I know Glenn, um, Anna Twiney. Twenty, I think it's Twiny, um, is an animal communicator, and he knows her quite well. He's done a number of different interviews with her, and he was the ultimate skeptic. He's, ah, it's bunk. 
And after he got to know her a little bit and talked to her and talked to people she worked with and talked to people who were also skeptics that talked to her and stuff, he goes, you know, I think some people just have something going on there. I'm not even going to try to explain what it is, but there's something going on. Sort of clairvoyant or something. Something going on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can't put a name to it. Yeah. Patty? Yeah, I'm, I'm... well, I'm with with Jennifer. I've never used them. Um, I don't know it's that I'm a skeptic or not a skeptic. I just um, have a very strong belief that there are um, that I that there's just certain things that I don't know. I just I, I, that I don't want to say not supposed to know. I don't mean it like that. But I just feel that you know I feel like some people um, are very clairvoyant. I feel like there's things that I've been able to do. It's sort of like you know. Um, uh, you know, Tigger, are you talking about, you know, the otters being comfortable? I think there's certain abilities that everybody has. Um, but I know a lot of clients um, that have used communicators and it's been successful for them. I've had some experience you know, being down in Wellington with the overkill people that, you know, won't, um, that, have, that have maybe used some communicators and they, they, it's to the point where they, you know, they won't buy a sheet for their horse without talking to them. And, and that to me just becomes hard because well, that's it's like, like 1-800 you know, psychic, you know? I've, yeah. And I just, and that, and that has been a little bit more my, um, some of my experience with that kind of stuff. But, um, and that, that I, I feel like, you know, still, you know, good horse people are developed because of trial and error. Right. And, um, some of that stuff, I don't want to see that being taken away, taken away. Having said that, when you have someone like you, Tigger, that, um, obviously has had years of experience <clears throat> with horses and, you know, sometimes we just get stumped and sometimes the vets are stumped, you know? Yep. Um, so, you know, um, I took a course about 20 years ago. It was taught by an animal communicator. It was a weekend and it was all about learning how to communicate, um, in, with your, with your dog and with other animals. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, I found that a really interesting experience. The, first of all, I had to talk to a llama, which was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but y- you basically get yourself very quiet and centered, and you ask permission. You're not looking at the animal. You, you, you know, other than you know, I was I was looking at the llama, and then I went into sort of a, a meditative state and asked permission to talk to the llama. And the biggest part that I learned from this um, was how much the animals communicate in pictures, mm. um, not necessarily they're not talking to you, they're, you just get a, an image in your, in your mind. And the first part of learning how to communicate is just write down what comes through. Just write it down. Don't question it. Don't delete it. Don't say this is insane. You just write it down. And over the period of three days, um, everybody in the group, I think there were about eight of us, got to where we could filter some of what our, our judgment or our perception and and allow to stand what the animal was giving us or showing us or mm. say, saying to us. Right. And one at the last day, and I don't know if you remember my dog Hawkeye. He was a stray. And um, one 
somebody who read him because we were all it's hard to read your own animals so we were mm. all reading everybody else's and then we have then you have to share it right and so she was mm. sharing what hawk had said to her and i'm you know she's reading it i'm clicking it off the list yes he likes this yes he likes that no he doesn't right. like this and she said but he says he's going to have a very short life and he's worried that tigger will be upset because he doesn't expect to be here um, for more than a year. And he was dead in nine months. Wow. Wow. Hit by a car. See, that's stuff so, your horse that's, shouldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a dog. Yeah, well, the dog shouldn't yeah. tell you. <laughs> I think he wanted but, me to be, and because I had that in my mind, and this is when I was in Europe training, so when mm-hmm. I came home, I made a real point before I left again of spending a lot of time with him and realizing it could be the last time, and it was. But well, if I hadn't had that heads up, I might have just taken him for granted. So, yeah, it, it, you know, animal communicators may not be for everyone. For me, when I'm stuck on something, when I mm. when I'm using or working or and even with the vets if it's not helping if we're still not getting to what the root cause is i'll bring in a a medical intuitive which is a a communicator that is specific to being able to perceive or read what's going on in the body and you know when i used i use the same one when when pie colicked ah and I was on the road coming up from Florida. Yeah, I remember. And she worked on him remotely wow. to get that twist back. Remember, he never had to have surgery. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I hadn't thought about that actually forever. <laughs> wow. So anyway, if you've had experience yeah. with animal communicators, um, you know, please uh, jot us a line at healthycritters.com or on our Facebook page. Healthy Critters Radio, and uh, let us know what your experiences are. So let's give Hedwig a call and see what that little Pomeranian is up to. She She's always given, given me a heads up that she wants to talk about birds. Oh. Oh, I can't wait to hear. <laughs> I know. Hello. Hedy. Hi, Hedy. Hello, Sugar Pacifer. It is so nice to hear from you after quite a few weeks of slacking. Uh, yeah. Slacking. You're right. It's been slacking. <laughs> Mainly Tigger. Um, Mainly yes. Tigger. That's, you know. That's true. I know. What's up with that, right? So. How? So, Pat, um, I understand from your servant that you have a story about birds. We do. We do have a story. Do you want to hear our story? Yes. <laughs> so, last week, oh, horrible, ridiculous horse show activity, and the human servant came back so tired, pathetic, blah, blah, was sitting on 
the couch trying to do labor of some kind and heard tweeting. From the chimney. And then the other servant freaked right out. Let me tell you completely insane. Oh my God, bird is trapped. Bird is dying. Oh my God, can't stay here. Dad, it's like Edgar Allan Poe. Oh my God, oh my God. And my servant, for once, was the sensible one. I know, shocking. Try to just stay with me on this one. And then, I think those are a bunch of birds, not just one bird. It sounds like a bunch of little birdie voices to me, probably baby birds. Notice how they get quiet sometimes. And then there's another noise, and then they're loud again. And the other servant continued to be psycho for another <laughs> two days because it took quite a while to get a wildlife expert to come out and investigate the tweeting in the walls. It was a little like Halloween, but not as much fun because no chocolate. Anyway, so the tweeting continued, and I was very assiduous in observing the tweeting and reacting to the tweeting by perking up my ears in an adorable way and sometimes even <laughs> wafting my fronds toward the chimney. That is how amazing I am. And also, I did a little research, and I discovered a bird called the chimney swift, and I was quite certain right away that this was what we had, a nest of chimney swift because they sounded quite swift to me <laughs> and then the man from the wildlife place came and he said Ta-da! you have a nest of chimney with baby ones little tiny chirpy baby Aww. ones yes Aww. and that is why they are chirpy and then they are quiet they are quiet when their mother comes with snacks, much as I am quiet when my servant comes with things. Of course. This is, I felt mm. an immediate kinship with these baby <laughs> And then we learned that it is a, a sign of good fortune to have your home chosen by a swift because they're very rare and um. even protected under the Endangered Species Act. And so we learned our friends will be living with us for the next two to three weeks while they grow up. And then their mom will teach them to fly in our chimney. (laughs) And then they will all fly away. And when the nest is empty, there will be no more tweeting. But then we can take the nest down. And it's just an important piece of information for all our friends and listeners to put a cap on one's chimney so that a swift does not move in. Yeah, I, I have a chimney back. Cap. Well, we have three chimneys, Tigger. We're sorry, we forgot one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tig. Stupid. Don't be all judgy. It's not charming. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Hedwig, that's the perfect story for this episode because we we are you know deeply involved in in birds this this episode. So we are. I, I'm really glad that you have welcomed the, the chimney swifts and are so aware of how important it is to protect endangered species. And, you know, if I were you, I'd, you know, I'd try to drop down some cheese for them to really show your true appreciation. Yeah. 
I was thinking of sharing some of my snacks, but I was told that they were not like my snacks. They apparently like oh. bugs and worms. Oh. <laughs> oh. And you probably don't have those as snacks. I'm not as, no, I don't have a big supply of those. I offered a cat. Oh, but cat. But that was too big. <laughs> That's not really a snack. That's more like a meal. <laughs> yeah. And I offered my brother. Yeah, yeah, I pushed him right I into the fireplace. He'd be a little gamey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just pushed him right in there and I waited, but they didn't take him. <laughs> he may be a little big. <laughs> well, thanks, he Eddie. Starve him. Oh, well, you don't no want problem, to. problem, as usual. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, yeah, Eddie. Bye. Have a nice day, King of <laughs> Hi, Eddie. And now it's time for the breed of the show. So we're now at the breed of the show, and I, I am the most excited Tigger and Jennifer because I've chosen to do hummingbirds. Which um, I, since I've moved back to Virginia, and I've always been fascinated by them. When we were in Colorado last year, they were everywhere. And, um, you know, over time I've seen them and I just think, I don't know why I just find them. They're just so fascinating and I don't really, you know, see them that often, but a few of them were flying around my front porch. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go get a hummingbird feeder. Well, you know, one or two turned into, a, I don't know, 20 or 30. <laughs> I got a little carried away. And so I've been doing a lot of research on them and, um, it's just, they're just, they're, they're just fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. So, um, so I now um, am, the, am the keeper and re, um, am responsible for, I, I don't know how to count them, but honestly, there has to be at least 20. Um, oh, and they great. are just, I sit on my front porch and I have my coffee in the morning and I watch them wake up um, and they start going to the feeders. And some of the things that I had noticed um, was, and I have plenty of feeders out, um, and um, they, it, it is that they... Um, we'll go to the feeder and then another one will kind of push the other one off. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of hummingbird fights. And I was like, that's kind of weird. I wonder if they're not a baiting pair or that's a male, um, you know, chasing off another male. And it turns out that they really are, um, they're not very nice to each other. <laughs> they're, they're territorial. Um, they really are. And they, you know, um, they actually end up, um, well, they, they consider them really quite unsocial. In fact, um, uh, they're feisty. <laughs> they, there's some of the adjectives used when I was reading about them. And, you know, when one or, one or more is around, the repeated scene of these high-speed chases, which I was, was is kind of interesting. Um, and so the pair, the, the um, breeding pair, do, they don't, they're a non, uh, how do they say it? A non-pair bonding um, after mating. So it's just about you know, the breeding and then they go on. And so it's actually males and females that are chasing each other um, from, from their favorite spot, which was also interesting. And they could do this with flowers as well, but they have favorite spots where they like to um, get their nectar. So that was another thing that it is that some of the feeders just don't go down as much. And so there's this one feeder, the very first one I got, which is a big one because I can put lots of stuff. They won't eat from it. None of the birds like that, but now I'll put the two little, like $3 ones that I've got. I will put them out and literally three hours later, they're, done, they're just drained. Um, so it's just fascinating, right? I find this all so fascinating. So, um, 
Yeah. And, junk and food. Every, they just so want they, junk food, okay? <laughs> they want junk Give food. Give us the well, sugar. <laughs> yeah, when you consider that, now consider this, that their wings, when they're flying, go 1,200 times a minute. It's unbelievable. That's when they think of the calories they burn. Right. And so that's the next thing is that they, um, they, they obviously, but they're constantly in search of food because of their caloric um, requirements. Um, and they are, um, they are actually one of the few um, birds that, um, that, that go into, I'm probably not going to do this right, they go into topor or torpor, which is a very deep sleep-like state which um, the metabolic functions are slowed down to minimize um, for low body temperature. So if it gets a little uh, colder, it's almost like hibernation. Um, and, and I think some of it has to do with um, if there's lack of food. So one of the things that I learned is that if you start feeding them, they rely on you. I mean, yeah. it's like I take my hummingbird, I take it very seriously. <laughs> Good for you. Um, well, it's, and it's such a joy. Like, I just like to rush home. I'd love to get up early just to watch the birds. Um, and to hear because, them, you know, that, that for oh, me is one of the phenomena is before you even see them, you hear mm-hmm, the wings. Hear and they make noises. They talk a lot. Yes. They kind of, you know, chatter back and forth. Um, but so, so that brought me, brings me to the next thing that just got me very interested is, you know, um, I, I just was at Walmart and I bought the you know, the red stuff they have, whatever. Oh and yeah. Not they, good. Right, not good because the best thing to do, and they are drawn to color. So if people yeah. want to do the same thing. They are drawn to colors. You can um, get um, non-artificial coloring of some sort to put in your homemade remedy, which is one part sugar and four parts tap water, which you do tap water, but you have to boil it and then obviously cool it down. Um, but I go through uh, maybe almost half a gallon to a gallon a day. <laughs> That's great. So like wow. literally when, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. And if I could, I could probably, do, you know, and so there is a the point, but then I started to feel a little like overwhelmingly guilty because like I was gone on vacation and the lady that was watching the dogs, like, you've got to feed my, my birds. <laughs> she did. And there were more when I got back. Um, but yeah, they're just, they're just fascinating. So, okay. So this is the really cool, and there's different species. And in this area, there's the red throated, um, which it, they're not Ruby a brilliant, brilliant color. Ruby throated, yeah. excuse me. Um, and they're like brown with a little bit with the red, which, which is just, you know, they're beautiful, but um, they're getting to the point where they're, um, you know, you know, getting, I can kind of tell they're getting ready to leave. Um, but they, they start coming depending on where you are, um, you know, in May, um, sometimes the end of April and they migrate, you know, down back to Mexico or wherever they decide to go. But, um, but they weigh, okay. I hope you guys are ready for this. Maybe a little bit more than a penny. Wow. I mean, think about that. I mean, think about that. Flying like a little bit more pennies. than a penny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And, um, and of course, you know, they, have that they do have very very tiny um uh nests they they see tiny birds tiny nests um and they they make a little um the, the ruby throated hummingbirds make like a little clutch um it's just as tiny as like little peas and they're you know walnut shell size woven um you know uh little um uh, nests i mean they're just very tiny nests you wouldn't really see them and um and it's just the whole, the whole thing to me is just so fascinating, but they live 
in my trees. And so where, if you are in an area that's surrounded by woods, so I'm like in the middle of 200 acres and there's woods all around me, but apparently that's, you know, generally where they are, but now they live in these two trees. And at night I can literally sit there. It starts to become dusk and they go to bed. It's the coolest thing in the world to sit there and just know, like in the morning I'll come out and like, you know, I, I, every afternoon when I come home, I've got to fill up the other two feeders cause they're ready. <laughs> and, um, and the other feeder that I have that they don't like, um, which I have left full of the food and just to see if they would eventually go to it, won't touch it. They just don't like this particular feeder. But the other thing to, to also note is that when you do change the water, which, um, I have to fill mine every day because apparently they told their friends, this one lady will keep us feeding, um, <laughs> is to clean it out. Is they, you know, cause sometimes little insects and stuff can get in yeah. there. Um, and the other diet that they do have, they, they do eat small insects, um, but very minor, but their major thing that they live off is nectar. But, um, isn't that cool? And they live about five years. So they'll go back and forth to the same area. Um, for about five minutes. Oh, that's so that cool. cool. That's so cool. I know. But so if you have a hummingbird I... story you want to share with Patty, go to healthycrittersradio.com yeah. and see us, get us on Facebook. Yay. And now we're at Critter Nutrition. And I'm going to talk to you about a new product coming from Biostar called Trinity. And Trinity is for dogs. This is Biostar's first CBD formula. CBD is from hemp. It's a legal cannabidiol and is sold in all 50 states, often with claims that it can treat everything from Lyme disease to cancer. The flood of health claims make CBD sound more like a tonic from the 1800s sold by a traveling medicine show. The fact is CBD is not a miracle cure, but it can provide important health benefits that begin with the cannabinoid receptor sites in the body. All mammals and other animals, including birds, reptiles, fish, sea urchins, leeches, and mussels, have cannabinoid receptors located throughout their bodies. We also produce molecules called endocannabinoids, endo means within our bodies, to stimulate the cannabinoid receptors. The endocannabinoids have a short life before being degraded by intracellular enzymes. The body does not store endocannabinoid molecules. They are produced on demand. These receptors and biochemical compounds are all part of the biological endocannabinoid system, which endeavors to maintain a stable internal environment despite fluctuations in the external environment. This is known as homeostasis. Scientists estimate that the endocannabinoid system evolved in primitive animals over 600 million years ago. The basic functions of the endocannabinoid system are the regulation of homeostasis, including metabolism, pain, mood, movement, memory and learning, immune function, inflammation, and digestion. Not only can CBD fit into the cannabinoid receptors, it also increases the availability of the body's endocannabinoids by stopping a specific enzyme from degrading them. This, in turn, provides more cannabinoids for the body. Whole food CBD. 
after hemp oil has been extracted or pressed from the leaves, stalks, and flowers, the biomass of the plant is left, still containing smaller amounts of CBD plus all the nutrients and nutritional cofactors not extracted with the oil. Two of these compelling components, in addition to CBD and the biomass, are the terpenines and the bioflavonoids. There are over 200 terpenines that synergistically interact with cannabinoids in the plant. Among these is beta-carophylline, which can target CB2 receptors to reduce inflammation and pain. Unique to hemp is a subclass of flavonoids called canaflavines. One particular canaflavine, known as canaflavine A, is an inhibitor of the pro-inflammatory prostaglandin known as PGE2. The hemp biomass contains fiber, protein, fat, carbohydrates, vitamin E, plus calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, copper, zinc, and manganese. Biostar's new Trinity formula provides organic hemp biomass grown in Oregon from a particular hemp strain high in CBD, terpenines, bioflavonoids, and canaflavines. Biostar's Trinity includes green-lipped mussel, carefully processed without heat and freeze-dried, This food is an excellent source of glucosamine and chondroitant, plus the glycosaminoglycans, also known as GAGs, which are the key components of cartilage and synovial fluid in joint. GAGs are known to assist in tissue repair and to help provide elasticity and flexibility to articular cartilage. Astaxanthin a super antioxidant carotenoid from red algae can help reduce oxidative stress and inflammation. Organic turmeric to help reduce chronic inflammation and oxidative stress supports digestion, including reducing gas and bloating. Chlorella, a single cell freshwater algae that is rich in nucleic acids and can assist the body in detoxification from environmental pollution. Non-GMO sunflower lecithin, important for the absorption of astaxanthin and providing specific neurotransmitter support for cognition, memory, and the nervous system. Organic black pepper, widely used in Ayurvedic medicine for its antioxidant and antimicrobial properties, is also a gastroprotective. This formula is in a base of desiccated beef liver from Argentina, along with dehydrated coconut meal. Due to the precise dosage of CBD and the greenlit muscle meat, we have divided Trinity into three products, one for small dogs under 20 pounds, one for medium dogs up to 50 pounds, and one for large and extra large dogs over 50 pounds. The ingredients are exactly the same, only the dosage and serving sizes are different. How much do I feed? At this point, we know that how much CBD a dog needs is unique to that dog. Some dogs need only one serving per day. Others may need two or three. Don't be afraid to experiment to find what dose is best for your dog. Sublingual versus oral. CBD oils, which are ingested sublingually, provide rapid onset of action and are readily absorbed into the bloodstream. Orally ingested CBD, either via eating food containing CBD or taking a whole food form of CBD like hemp biomass, is gradually absorbed in the GI tract. Remember, the GI tract is one of the sites of the cannabidiol receptor CB1. So although oral digestion takes longer, it can also last longer, resulting in having to use it less often than the oils. Biostar's Trinity will be available mid-September 2018. 
Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. Since we've had sort of a a um, episode focused on birds, I thought it would make sense that um, we <laughs> kind of relate that kind of to our horses. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, and I will start um, because I am convinced that really lion is a puffin. A puffin. And, <laughs> yes. Well, I got to study puffins in Alaska. And okay. if you don't know what a puffin is, it looks like a little penguin kind of creature. It has a bright colored beak, but it's not a penguin. And it's a seabird. And when it flies, it flies kind of like a hummingbird. It can't hover, oh. but the wings go a million miles an hour. And, yeah, cute. and its legs go out at right angles so <laughs> the legs go out and the wings flap really really hard and it's a fairly small bird and it makes me think of lion who is still at age 32 a, a beautiful horse just as puffins are really spectacular looking birds but when he starts moving you know he's no longer working in collection and he <laughs> when covering ground his canter is like <laughs> and it's just like a puffin's wings. So, oh, that is too funny. And they're very I skittish. Up, I just looked up a puffin. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cute. That's pretty adorable. They're very, very skittish, which, you know, lion certainly <laughs> is. Yeah. So um, I think lion is most like a puffin. Okay, you've got a little bit of a, they've got a little bit of a beak on them, too. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> Very interesting beak. Okay, I, I I've like heard of puffins, but and I didn't realize they're pretty kind of tiny, aren't they? Oh, they are. Cute little feet. Okay, that's a that's a cute. That's pretty cute. I actually would. I want a puffin now. <laughs> 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 I'm sure they do well in my front yard. It would go great. Your hummingbirds. I know. I can put you, a puffin you, you on You just need some salt water and a you know okay. fairly large pool. I. Have Plenty of, of salt. I can do that as I'm making my hummingbird food. I can make that for them. Okay, done. No worries. <laughs> Good. Yep, no worries. How about you, Jennifer? What's, what's your horse? Oh, I didn't so much think. Well, um, I think Scooter might be a flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm you know, to imagine this. Yeah, cool to look at. Kind of leggy and long skinny neck and... <laughs> Mm-hmm. And frequently smelly. 
Okay. Yeah. I did not oh, they, they go smell. I didn't eat, okay. And they eat pretty much continuously, and then they sleep, and then they eat some more. So that's that's pretty much Scooter. Uh, Nigel. Wow. I'm going to make Nigel. Um, I think I'm going to make Nigel a duck. <laughs> Which a kind duck. of duck? That plain old boring white duck that lives in everybody's backyard. You mean like a Peking duck? No, those are the tall thin ones is a Peking duck, I think. Um, I forget what they're called. It's it's that plain white one that you see in petting zoos all the time. It's it's very they're tolerant. Um, you know, little children can pet it and try to catch it and it doesn't get upset and doesn't get mean. Yep. And it's kind of plain and it's oh so very useful. It doesn't <laughs> complain much, but still attractive. <laughs> Okay. That's that's Nigel. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I just wanted to look up if uh, indeed there was something just called a duck. And they do call it a, a Pekin, by the way. Yeah, Pekin American duck. American Pekin, just a white duck. Or there's a crested. Not that you guys, I mean, I do the routine. Okay, so you know this. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, yeah. So it's a Pekin duck. I thought the Pekins were the ones that were the real tall, skinny ones. That's an Indian runner is the tall, skinny one. He's not that. He's not oh. tall and skinny at all. Okay. He's kind of okay. he's, so he's, he's kind of squatting and frumpy. <laughs> but it, like, can we just take a second and, like, who's proud of Tigger for knowing that was the name of the duck? What's up with you, Tigger? Dang. I used to have Pekin ducks. Okay, well, there. Of course, of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. And I named them after political candidates. I had George Bush, Nancy Reagan, and Bill oh and Hillary gosh. Clinton. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, well, so what is um, your what bird is your new horse most like? My my little youngster who <clears throat> is three years old and um, he's seventeen hands and both of his um, front legs come out of the same hole. So keep in mind um, he's extraordinarily well balanced, but he's got a long swan like neck. And I'm not going to say swan. I'm going to say ostrich. <laughs> Oh. Because there are times where I feel like he gets his head and neck up there. I'm like, oh my gosh, put that thing down. Put that thing down. Please put that thing down. Um, but he's also, if you guys have ever watched, and this is a duck, but it's still on an animal um, species, is Madagascar and the giraffe. Um, no, wait a minute. We're staying with the birds. I know, but I'm just going to tell you, you need to think of that when you think of him and a bird. His nickname is Melman. Just because, (laughs) yeah. So if there were a giraffe bird, that would be Ken. And not that he puts his head up all the time, but it's just sort of funny. Because like if something happens, he goes, "Oh my gosh, did you see that over there?" And he literally can get his head neck up that high. Look, I don't know, over tall buildings. Um, He comes right back down. Doesn't a a stork have a fairly long neck? Stork would be good. Yeah, that's good. I think that would be good as well. Yeah, stork. Yeah. And, you know, but the thing is, is that I reserve the right to change this because I'm sure in a year's time, it's going to be um, something different, a different type of bird with um, a bird with contact, <laughs> a bird that goes on the bit. So I, need a, I got a year to figure this out. A bird that collects, you know. Well, he's only three. <laughs> I know he's a baby. Oh, and it's really kind of funny because he's very, um, he's the most seriously well-balanced three-year-old I've ever seen. He's 17 hands and he can canter on a 20 meter circle with no, like on a lunge line. I'm like, seriously, you shouldn't be able to do that, but okay, wow. if you're going to offer. I'll take it. Yeah. So yeah, but he's, um, he uses his neck like a rudder. So he, stands, he never falls down, <laughs> but he's a baby. So there you go. 
So he could be. You've a, gone from Spanish horses with their short, uh-huh. massive necks. Uh-huh. To yeah. horse with I like to live life. Just saying. <laughs> I like, you know what? If I feel like I figured something out, why not figure something? I mean, I got to keep it real, right? That's right. <laughs> no you moss is going to grow under my stone. <laughs> well, let us That's know good. what bird uh, your horse reminds you of. And uh, contact us on HealthyCreatorsRadio.com. Indeed. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at BiostarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 